Welcome to the Dr. Diamond Podcast, where doctors learn from industry experts proven methods to grow their practices like the top 1%. And now your hosts, President of OfficeAutomated.com, Robert Barton, and the CEO of New Patient Group, founder of the Dr. Diamond Club, national keynote speaker, and featured in Dental Economics, Forbes, and CNBC, Brian Wright. co-host of the Diamond Club podcast, along with Dr. Robert Barton. Hey, Robert, how you doing? I'm doing good, Brian. How are you? Doing good. Back from the ADSO. Uh, we had a good trip, and if you haven't seen the videos we've put together, uh, everybody needs to go to our YouTube station as quickly as possible because they're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, it was a great trip, and and uh, I appreciate you coming along with us. Yeah, I had a really good time. It was, it was awesome, no doubt. And you killed it, by the way. Well, I appreciate it. Not only did you come along with us, you flew me safely there and back. That's the biggest and most important thing is we're alive. D- d- despite what your wife thought, uh, she wholeheartedly admitted that she didn't think she'd ever see you again. <laughs> my family thought I was a dead man. <laughs> I mean, that, that from my brother-in-law to my mom to my mother-in-law to my wife, they literally were saying their goodbyes forever. <laughs> I mean, I, I did it once before. I mean, uh, you know, I don't. It was it wasn't that difficult. Well, it's uh, you've been fine since you were fourteen, so I trusted you. That you, I trusted you that you weren't lying to me about that. And, I wasn't, and clearly, and clearly, you you weren't. So, listeners, we have a great show today. Uh, you know, our our guest, his name is Nathan Hirsch. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Free Up, and you know, the topic we're really going to hit hard on today is how to delegate your tasks to become more efficient. How do you learn how to outsource certain things? Because remember, you're an entrepreneur. I know you're a doctor, but you are an entrepreneur first. You own your own business. So by definition, you're an entrepreneur. So all of these things are extremely valid. And Nathan has been uh, on Entrepreneur on Fire, their podcast that is a very big podcast, uh, has been hiring people for over a decade and has founded multiple multi-million dollar companies. And my, my philosophy, Robert, on this is follow as many successful people, learn from as many successful people as you can, and implement them uh, to help grow your business. And I think we, we found a, a gem having Nathan on today. And Nathan, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I appreciate you joining us. I think the listeners are going to get a lot out of this today. Uh, you know, we're all about entrepreneurship and, you know, teaching doctors that you're an entrepreneur and a business owner first. Uh, and a lot of the principles that we talk about uh, are literally principles if you want to be a successful business owner, regardless of the profession you're in. So I think it's great that you've taken the time to come on uh, the show and doctors out there and all the other listeners. There's no doubt that this guy is somebody you want to listen to, take his, his practices, his advice back to your business and apply them. And let's get into this, Nathan. I mean, how did you start uh, Free Up and how did you get in all this to begin with? Yeah, so it's been a very interesting journey. <laughs> I started off as a broke college student looking to extra, make extra beer money on the side. And I started buying and selling people's textbooks. I, before I knew it, I had to line out the door of people trying to go to me over the bookstore because I was offering more money ended up getting a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because I was stealing too much of their business. (laughs) So from there, I pivoted a little bit. I learned about Amazon. Um, This was 2008, 2009. So Amazon was really getting off the ground. Um, They were doing mostly books, but they were just getting into other products. So I started experimenting a little bit. 
And I experimented with sporting equipment and DVDs and computers, and I couldn't get anything to sell besides books. And one day I decided to venture a little bit out of my comfort zone, and I started experimenting with baby products, which I was a 21-year-old single college guy. I knew absolutely nothing about baby products, but these things sold like crazy. And I just spent day after day just listing these products, building relationships with manufacturers, realty retailers, distributors. And before I knew it, I was running this multi-million dollar business out of my college dorm room, making every good and bad decision that a young entrepreneur makes. So as I, as I, this business got bigger and I got overwhelmed and I was trying to balance school and fun and, and business, I had to start hiring people, right? Because there's just so much to do. And I, I, no one was going to take me seriously. I couldn't just hire some 30-year-old marketing expert. Um, <laughs> the only people I had access to were college students. And after I made a, a lot of mistakes hiring college students, I was eventually introduced to the remote hiring world, um, the Upworks, the Fivers, and, and all of that. And my time quickly went from the things that I enjoyed doing, which was sales, marketing, expansion, to interview after interview after interview. And I, I really just wanted a faster way. And three years ago, I, I had the idea to build it myself. So that's when I came up with FreeUp, a marketplace where we get hundreds of freelancers every week, vet them for skill, attitude, communication, take the top 1%, let them in, and, and then make them available to clients rapid fire with 24-7 support and no turnover guarantee protection on the back end. So that's a short version of how I went from a broke college kid to starting two companies. So, needless to say, can you buy more? Can you buy more beer now than you used to be able to? I can, but I also drink less beer now. Not, you've gone the wine route now that you have the money to do it. <laughs> yes, much more sophisticated <laughs> drinking wine. <laughs> nice. Well, tell us because I, you know, because we live in healthcare. Like I said, I mean, we have clientele out of it, but still, our, our normal healthcare or our normal clients are in healthcare. And you guys listening out there, you need to hear what I'm about to ask and the answer to what he's going to uh, say to the question is we see mistakes in the interview process all the time. So one, if you can do it virtually, fantastic. I think it's a great business model Nathan Nathan has. But how do you, because Nathan, we see that the issue of how people are interviewed, the mistakes are made, people hire even when they have the person physically sitting them in front of, physically sitting in front of them, we see mistakes made by hiring the wrong people, uh, and I could list another hundred issues that go along with it. How would you suggest going about the recruiting process, the interview process, and then once they're hired, how do you properly integrate them into an organization to ensure there's no hiccups and everything is a seamless transition? Yeah, great question. So in my opinion, people are hiring wrong. <laughs> they, they hire for the skill. They look for someone's five references, their, their big resume, and then they hire them and it blows up in their face and they wonder why. And I once took a college class on how to interview. It didn't necessarily teach me how to do any job well. It just taught me how to answer interview questions. And that's how we've been interviewing for so long. Just focus on the skill, the skill, the skill, what kind of background, what kind of experience does this person have? It wasn't until I realized that, yes, I need to focus on the skill but I also need to focus on the attitude and the communication of the person it, just as equally. I really started having success hiring, that my turnover drops, that um, people were staying and I was actually getting an ROI on my investment because at the end of the day, that's what hiring is. It's a business investment. So with, with attitude, I look for people who are passionate about what they do that actually care about their client base. They're not just in it for the paycheck. 
they actually need the job and they want to be there. Um, if I hate bookkeeping, which I do, I'm sure you guys do as well. When, when I hire a bookkeeper, I want them to love bookkeeping as much as I love being an entrepreneur. Those are the kind of people I look for. And then the communication side, especially if you're doing it remote, are, is so important. It doesn't matter what your skill or what your attitude is. If you and I can't communicate at a high level, it's never going to work out. And obviously, we have to speak the same language, but it goes well beyond that to where you have to be able to hit estimates and hit deadlines. And if there's a personal emergency, I need to at least get a text message and showing up on time for interviews and meetings and all the stuff that goes into strong communication. So with our vetting process, we're looking for all three. We even have 15 pages of communication best practices that we make the freelancers memorize and get tested on before they get into the marketplace. So for the interview, we're looking for all three things equally. After the interview, this is where most people mess up. They hire the person and they let them loose. Here's a one-month project. Okay, let's, let's, let's start, dive right into it. They don't take a step back to set the expectations and get on the same page right from the beginning and get in writing. Make it as black and white as possible. This is what's expected. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. These are what my pet peeves are. This is what qualifies a good project, a bad project. And if you don't do that, it leads to so much gray area down the line, so much wasted time, money, energy. And you always have to end up taking a step back anyway. So my advice is to spend that extra hour up front um, to really set expectations, get on the same page, even give them a chance to back out if they don't think they can meet your expectations before moving on and giving them that first test project. Fantastic advice. And, and listeners, you know, for those who don't know, I mean, Nathan has grown multiple companies into multi-million dollar successes. And I, as an entrepreneur, have done the same. And one of the things that we all have in common, if you go through a thousand entrepreneurs that have grown multiple companies into multi-million dollar successes, there's a lot of similarities. But one of the common ones is, is understanding that that culture eats strategy for breakfast. So you can hire the Harvard grad that has all of these references uh, everyone says is so great, but yet gets into your organization and doesn't realize the communication skills, the work ethic, everything that becomes or is required to create a powerful team. And that is all how we hire is exactly the description of what he just is what he said. It's not that the skill doesn't matter, but it's the reason why we always talk about you're better off hiring a financial expert or receptionist inside a dental practice that knows nothing about dentistry but is able to learn that while having a great work ethic and helps build a great culture within. What would you say to that, Nathan? Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, hiring is a skill and it's a skill that took me a while like other entrepreneurs to master. And it's one of those skills that they don't teach you in school. Um, A lot of people think of businesses as marketing and bookkeeping and sales and everything that goes with it. But at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to master all parts of your business. You're going to have to hire other people. And if you can't do that efficiently, that can be, and effectively, that can be the difference between success and failure. Yeah, and I, I, we see it firsthand all the time. It's why a lot of clients or prospective clients, uh, when they first come aboard, are, they're, they're miserable in a lot of ranks, even ones that are making a lot of money because the staff runs uh, the business, but not in a good way. Like it's great to train staff and then have them run the business on your behalf in a good way, but this is kind of the opposite. They're running the doctor, they're running just the business in, in a not so good way. And I think these points that you're making are are they're they're not only valid, they're critical to someone's success because we just see it more often times than not that the people within that inside out approach are not the right people to take an organization to to the next level. 
So Nathan, tell us more. You know, we talk about a lot with the doctors how you love your business as much as your practice. And with all the stuff between employees and hiring and having to be a clinician and a CEO, it's hard for them to love that aspect of their of their business as much as they do the clinical components. So how do you love being an entrepreneur with all of that other stuff that you have to deal with? What would you say to that? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there, there's so much to being an entrepreneur. And I actually majored in entrepreneurship, but there's, there's, no, there's no lesson. There's no class that can help you experience what you actually get into when you start doing it. There's problems that pop up every day. There's, there's procedures and, and hiring and all these different things coming up that can happen at any different time. But the key is really to delegate and to take stuff off your plate. I always say that I'm constantly building two lists. I'm building a list of everything that I'm doing on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And I have a three-month rule. I don't do anything for longer than three months without taking it off my list and outsourcing it and giving it to someone else or automating it and creating software for it. And then I have another list of all my strengths and weaknesses. And I don't want to spend the next three months learning how to do Facebook ads. Yes, I could probably do it. I'm a reasonably smart guy, but that's not a good use of my time. I want someone else to come in and turn my, my weaknesses into those strengths. So that other list, I'm constantly trying to hire people that bring their expertise to the table to take something off my plate so I don't have to do anymore. And it gets done at a very high level. And I think that that's what a lot of entrepreneurs miss out. They try to handle everything or they find that one person they really like after a lot of bad hires and they try to load them up with everything, even though they might not be the best person to do it. And then they run into issues. Love that. And that's one of the things we do when we hire our coaches, Nathan, is that I refuse to hire any coach in our organization that doesn't know more than me about a multitude of subjects. I mean, we can teach them our program all day long, but I want them to come into our organization and be able to teach us things as well. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to hire people that may even be smarter than them. And I see that in the healthcare profession all the time. Uh, Comment on that, on how important it is to bring people into the organization that have talents that you might not have. It is the most important thing. I mean, once I realized that I need to surround myself, like you said, with people that are smarter than me or people that can do things that I can't do, it's what changed my entire outlook on business. I mean, right now I'm looking, I'm always looking for the low risk, high reward situations. And a perfect example of this is my Twitter account, my Instagram. I just hired someone to do it for me. And in my mind, this is a low risk, high reward situation. What's the worst case scenario? I spend, it's a few hundred dollars a month. I run it for two to three months. I don't get much out of it. They mess it up. Maybe I delete some tweets. Not that much of a risk. Best case scenario, I no longer have to do this anymore. I can take that time that I was doing it, focus on sales, marketing, and expansion, and my Twitter following grows even more than it would if I did it myself and they do a better job than me. So I'm constantly looking for those situations where I can put someone smarter than me at that specific task into a position to succeed and take something off my plate. Yeah, that's fantastic stuff. So let's dive in more to your company for a little bit. So for those of you who didn't remember, you know, the company's name is Free Up, and I mean, the guy knows what he's talking about flat out. So I, I want you guys to follow this gentleman and his word and what he needs to say and what he has to say, because it's going to help your practice. It's going to help your business. Let's get into more Free Up. I, so it's a, 
it's a free kind of a you have freelancers and it's a virtual way of hiring people. But let's dive let's dive a little bit deeper on how that can help business owners. And then for ones who don't know how to hire virtually, what are the things you have to look for? What are the red flags, etc.? Absolutely. So FreeUp is a marketplace for freelancers where we're pre-vetting them on the front end. We're providing them quickly. You put in a request for what you need. We fill them within a business day, usually faster. Um, On the back end, I'm I'm very available as well. My calendar is right on the website for people that want to talk to me. But I also have assistants that cover my Skype email 24-7 so you get fast access. Um, And then we also have a no turnover guarantee if they quit for any reason. We cover all replacement costs and get them a new worker right away. Um, so that's really what we're all about. And I really practice what I preach. The entire business is built on freelancers that are in the marketplace. They build me almost 800 hours last week. I only hire freelancers that are available to my client base as well. But here's the thing. I can provide these pre-vetted freelancers, these remote workers, but if the clients don't know what to do with them afterwards, it only does them so much good. So a lot of what I go about doing is provide content, whether it's my blog, my YouTube channel, podcasts all about hiring. What do you do to figure out what you need? And I've come up with a five-step process that that I'll kind of walk you through, if that's okay, of of how I go about identifying and setting those expectations. So before before I do anything, I always identify what I want to take off my plate. We talked about those two lists. So I'm either hiring to get out of the day-to-day operations or I'm hiring to turn a weakness into a strength. strength. Then one key step that people miss Identify what your perfect person looks like. Is it an in-house employee? Is it a remote freelancer, U.S. or non-U.S.? How many hours a week? Is it a one-time project? Really identify what skills, attitude they have to have to be a perfect match for you because if you don't know what you're looking for, it's going to be very hard for you to find it. Three is figuring out where you're going to post the job. If you're using FreeUp, you put in a request and interviewing them for that skill, the attitude, and the communication. Or if you're using FreeUp, where we do that, Figure out, are they the right fit for you? Because even the best virtual assistant in the world isn't the best fit for every single client. So step three is identifying, are they the perfect fit for me? Step four is setting those expectations that we talked about before. And step five is that feedback loop. Because very rarely is someone going to do 100% of what you want right away. They might do 92%, which is great. But you have to get that feedback loop where you can give them feedback, where they won't take it personally, where they'll adjust and and get you exactly what you need and receive feedback as well. So if you can follow those steps, you can have a lot of success outsourcing and hiring freelancers. That's great stuff. And, And listeners, look, you guys have heard us talk about this many times. I'm a big believer in outsourcing things that you shouldn't be doing or you may not even be good at doing. And one of those, we talk about how do you follow up with patients for their pending treatment? Well, that's an issue with a lot of practices. Some have good procedures in place. Others don't. A lot of it is because there's a time issue with the schedule. Well, outsourcing it, we talk about all the time to somebody uh, like Nathan is talking about is a great way to follow up with patients to try to get them back into your schedule. It pays for itself. Uh, The other one, a virtual assistant for your office manager or you as a doctor everyone in healthcare a lot of times is thinking you have to bring in a W-2 employee. It's not the case. These are things that you can outsource and take them off your shoulders and free up more time so you can be that entrepreneur that's focused on the business instead of the business focused on you is what I always like to say. So that, that's really good stuff, Nathan. Hey, Nate, Robert here. Um, what are, what's the most popular thing that a healthcare provider, and you know, what, what kind of VAs or what kind of services would free up offer that, 
that you know that your service would really fit a, uh, a need for a healthcare provider based on the talent that you guys are interviewing and hiring and, and that type of thing. Do you have a, a thought on that? Sure. I mean, the most common things are, are any kind of graphic design or web development work. Chances are an entrepreneur in the healthcare field is also not an expert at the graphic design and the web development. Um, other things could be the bookkeeping. It could be the lead generation or the customer service. I mean, we, we do lead generation for so many different businesses, whether they're brick and mortar, software companies, even Amazon sellers, creating a good lead generation system, whether it's social media, whether it's, um, whether it's sending cold emails or pitches, whatever it is, getting on podcasts, getting in different magazines, that, that stuff is huge. That has an ROI. It's relatively affordable. Um, any kind of social media or customer engagement is huge. And then content. I mean, we're in the world of content where getting high on Google SEO and, and getting published in magazines and press releases is huge. And the average entrepreneur might not be qualified to write or doesn't have the time to do it. And you can hire content people to write about your business, your industry. And that is how you get well, more well-known um, and really start to expand your business long-term. Yeah, that's um, good, good stuff there. Great suggestions. So are you saying that content is, uh, you know, if, if you have fresh content for Google, that they're going to basically elevate your website and SEO results? Absolutely. I mean, content. I know that to be true. I just wanted the listeners to hear it. <laughs> Super important. Yeah, I mean, we have we have some clients who their entire business, a lot of the clients they get are because of one blog article they wrote three years ago that still pops up on the first page of Google. You, that stuff is incredibly powerful. And, and the reason is because Google's business model is to show a person relevant search results. And if someone's helping them by putting great content on the web that satisfies the search result, they're going to continue to put that search result up uh, in front of the user until something else surpasses it or, or supplants it because that's basically their business model. They need people to, to reach a relevant search result uh, because they're gonna keep using Google. And if they keep using Google, then Google can uh, make money in the, in the ways that they make money. Absolutely, I mean, if anything, if you don't know what kind of marketing you should be doing, you can hire a marketing expert. Someone, yeah, they're gonna be 40, 50 bucks an hour, but they come in, they audit your business, they'll ask you questions, they'll help create a game plan for you rather than just trying different things and not really knowing what you're doing and potentially wasting a lot of time and money down the line. That's the kind of stuff that I do all the time. I, I hire an SEO expert. I just hired a YouTube expert to come in and help optimize our channel, get their expertise, use them. I mean, never before have you just had access to all the talent in the world at your fingertips. If you're not taking advantage of that, your competitors are or will be soon. So it's time for you to get a head start on that and take advantage of everything that the gig economy has to offer. Yeah, I love that model. What are your thoughts, Nathan, about blogs with content via blogs with videos? Would you suggest, okay, and this is something we talk about a lot, and I, I listeners, I love when you guys get to hear things from experts in the industry that reiterate what we teach you guys for a living. And it's why I'm asking this question, because I think it's very important to get it through all of your heads, how important content is. Would you suggest video content, written content, a combination of both? What do you think is king? And explain that for us. I mean, the key is doing both uh, and doing both at a high level. I mean, we have a blog, we have a YouTube channel. I do a lot of webinars. So it, it also depends on your industry, your competitors. There's, there's just a lot of other factors there. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say do one and scrap the other. If anything, hire an expert to come in, audit your business and create a plan that works for you. 
And most likely it's going to end up being a combination of both. Combination of both. And that's what we, that's what we talk to the listeners out there. I mean, there's benefits to both sides. Uh, so why not do them both? It's not an either or approach. That, that's the way life is in general. Uh, so tell us where we can find more about FreeUp. Yeah, so if you go to freeup.com with three E's, like I said before, my calendar is right at the top. I'd love to meet with you about your business and help you get virtual assistants or freelancers um, to help free up your time. You can create a free account, no sign-up fee, no monthly fee, no minimums, no obligation. It's in our best interest to get you people you actually like. Um, and if you mention this podcast, you get a free $25 credit to try it out. So really no risk. And um, I really look forward to helping a lot of you out there with your business. I'm looking well, I sure appreciate it, Nathan. Take care. It was great having you. Have a good day. Well, obviously, Nathan's a real deal. You know, he's built, uh, he sees a need. He's an entrepreneur major, and he built, uh, you know, to his, uh, to his credit, a multi-million dollar, you know, Amazon business out of his dorm room. <laughs> and just goes to show you how, you know, I think he's also seen the value of scale, you know, getting people that are experts in something else and using that to better your business. Uh, we can't be experts in everything. So you have to have mechanisms to hire experts uh, within other um, skill sets to push your business, you know, uphill and to get above the competition and do it better than the competition because obviously all of us have competition. Well, what I like that he talked about, and it's something that a lot of healthcare practices, uh, I don't even think they think of when they need help, is that higher virtual model of finding a freelancer that can do some of these things for you. And, you know, like I talked briefly about on the podcast, I mean, you know this inside your own, in your own practice, is patient comes in today, they don't buy from you today, what happens after that? And some practices have it down better than others, but the facts are it's still a time crunch and a time issue. And outsourcing things like that and training that person how you want it done is, I think, a great way to be able to increase what we call the outstanding treatment numbers to get more people to come back and buy that, that didn't buy the first time. Yeah, and that's going you know, to have a return on investment. And you've already you know spent the money to get that patient in the door, whatever marketing or advertising you're doing. So to have a back-end process, uh, for example, is, is necessary. Yeah. I mean, we call that the, you know, the, the sales pipeline, right? And whether it be our company, new patient group, I mean, listeners out there, I mean, it, it's a, uh, you know, we don't, we don't close a doctor on the first meeting. I mean, what's going to happen after that is no different than the follow-up procedures that you should have within your organization to be able to get a patient back through the doors. Now there, there's ways to do it just like we do it where it's non-salesy, it's simply educational, uh, which increases the chances they come back and buy from you. But you've got to have those processes in place, just like any other organization. And why not, just like Nathan talked about, the low risk, high reward. It's a low risk going out and finding a freelancer, training them how you want it done, and see if they can do the job for a couple, two or three months. If it works, keep them. If not, go back to how you were doing it before or find somebody different. And it's also about creating that standard or that process to uh, to plug a person into. You know, it's like, what do we need to be said? How is that going to be said? How do you grade that employee uh, on that or that or that freelancer on that so that you know that it's being carried out in a way that, that you want it carried out? So creating the system and the process is probably the, the first step in that process. And then you go out and, and plug a person into that. The being proactive instead of being reactive approach. No doubt about it.
Absolutely. And business owners are notoriously reactive and it's, uh, it doesn't serve them that well. Yeah. And they don't find a lot of value. I see this all the time. And, you know, you say, hey, look, block an hour every week to work on your business, shoot videos, build out your protocols and systems. It's just not, even though that's what grows people more than anything else you will do, it's not the sexy thing to do. And therefore they end up being reactive because all of a sudden they have to hire somebody new and there's no training modules. There's no training videos uh, built out. We talk about it all the time. That's why your platform is so awesome and why we use it because you know we built out an automated training program to train staff that also allows the, the practice to build out their own as well. And that has to be done. So whenever you go out and hire a freelancer, these people know what they're doing. Otherwise, it's your fault. It's not the freelancer's fault or whoever you hire's fault if they don't do well. That's on you as an entrepreneur and a doctor. Yeah, and every business grows to the lowest common denominator of that business. And once you grow it to the point where you're going to break something within your systems, your people, then that's the that's the end of the growth. So when you when you develop systems and processes and document those and hold your, your staff accountable to those, now you can actually add more staff members and grow the business to to higher levels, whether it be locations or additional you know, services or just higher production within the practice. Then um, you know you, that's the proactive approach. It's the marketing from within first, and the inside out approach, and also the proactive approach. So yeah, and I, and I think Nate gets that, and that was the the point of the podcast today. Yeah, and listeners, we're going to have one of our upcoming podcasts is going to be kind of a continuation of this of time management efficiency. It's going to talk about basically the time efficiency and management tips of multi billionaires, and I think anybody that owns a company is going to want to hear that one, uh, to say the least. So. Robert, I appreciate it. I think it was a good show. And thanks again to Nathan for coming on. And again, check out his company at freeup.com. And to all the listeners out there, we appreciate you listening as always and following us. And until next time, have a great day. We'll talk to everybody soon.